Hello and welcome to the latest uh, episode of the Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce podcast. This episode is being produced as part of the Chamber's annual month-long Grow Through People campaign, which looks to boost productivity by developing leadership and people management skills for businesses across Greater Birmingham. And today we're going to be focusing on the theme of unlocking potential and the recently released Race Equality Code. I'm Paul Faulkner, Chief Exec at the Chamber, and I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Carl George, MBE, who's Managing Director of the Governance Forum and also a board member at the Chamber. Carl, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for inviting me to speak to something that I'm passionate and tingly about, which you'll hear about in a minute. Excellent. Well, uh, passionate and tingly, that's what we uh, we like to hear. Well, so, I mean, Carl, to, to kick off off then I guess really tell us a little bit about the race equality code and what it is and uh, what led you to to sort of publishing this yeah um, Paul perhaps I'd, I'd go back in history if you don't mind and go back to the early 90s so Adrian Cadbury um, we're very proud of from Birmingham um, produced the um, Cadbury code so Adrian Cadbury was able to look at what was happening in the private sector he was asked to chair this committee of businesses, um, not an accountant, which most of them were, to give us best practice around how organisations in the private sector should really work. And what I thought over the summer period, when I saw the Black Lives Matters movement, why can't we have something similar coming out of the West Midlands, coming out of Birmingham, which says, what's the best practice around race equality practice? And in the same way that we have a governance code for corporate governance, why can't we have a governance code for the things around race? So that was the genesis of the race equality code. It was saying we've got lots of recommendations, we've got lots of reports, we've got lots of people doing good things. Why hasn't the dial moved? Why hasn't it changed? Let's find a methodology that we can use to change this dynamic. Fantastic. And so, so how did you go about sort of pulling that all together? And um, was it was it straightforward, or did you sort of find it particularly challenging? Sort of, you say you started it summer twenty twenty. That's right. Well, Paul, one of the things that really made it um, easier for me—it wasn't easy—is this nerdy attitude I've got towards governance. Yes, I did say that. I'm that weird guy who loves to read governance cards, loves to read reports. So I literally went down and found as many reports as I could find all about diversity, inclusion and recommendations. So starting with the government-sponsored McGregor-Smith review, for example, which had 26 recommendations. I went to Parker in the private sector, looked at the workforce race equality standard in the National Health Service. And by the time I'd looked through something like 25 reports, I'd found nearly 300 recommendations. Um, and this was just around workforce and workplace. I started to discount all the work around homelessness, around mental and health well-being. I had to discount the stuff around economics. I just had to be very focused and look at the ones about employment. And that's really what I did over the summer. Fantastic. I mean, and you know, you mentioned Sir Adrian Cabri. I think he was a former president of the uh, the Birmingham Chamber, actually. Um, but you know, there's been lots of uh, reports and reviews that have tried to tackle race inequality and discrimination 
in the boardroom and the wider workforce. Um, you know, in your view, Carl, what 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 makes now this point in time uh, different, and 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 what makes you know the race equality code sort of particularly pertinent and. Um, you know, and why will it have that impact now, do you think, as opposed to sort of in previous times? I think one of the things, Paul, is if you go back to... Do you remember Michael Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point? Um, I'm aware of it, yeah. I've not read it, but I have I have heard of it, yeah. Excellent book. And, and talks about... We get to a stage sometimes where there's one thing or a series of events that give us the tipping point until the terminology now is going viral, until things really explode. And I believe the Black Lives Matter movement gave us a tipping point. It gave us a time in history where things could start to expand. So although we've been talking about these things for the last 20, 30 years and the dial hasn't moved, we're at a point in history where we've got this tipping point that we can make some real difference. And the race equality crowd is different in the sense that it's not a charter. It's not a set of promises which I've done in the past, to be fair. I launched a diversity in the boardroom pledge a number of years ago, which is about diversity outside of the FTSE, because I was concerned that we've got all these things about what happens in the FTSE with women, with age and gender, but nothing outside of that. But even that hasn't had the success I would have wanted. And in my opinion, it's because we haven't got an accountability framework, hence a race equality code something that makes you accountable, something that has a robust mechanism for checking if you've done what you're supposed to have done. And it may be uncomfortable, the amount of work you have to put in, but how many things are we going to find that change the dial that aren't going to have hard work behind them? Yeah, exactly. You know, if it needs doing, you've got to sort of put that that effort in and certainly to sort of affect real change and much needed change yeah you know it should be hard if it wasn't hard and it should have been done a long time ago and and you know I, I totally agree it, it does feel like um like that tipping point doesn't it and um you know enough's enough and I think like the the sort of you know I mean the shocking the horrible um awful murder of George Floyd it felt it just went round the world didn't it and people sort of said no more and so you could feel that that environment being right for you know what you what you've done, what you've pulled together with the the race code. I mean, Carl, you know, you talked about you know the fact that you are an expert on on governance, um, best selling author, got a copy, and I've read your book uh, um, on governance. You know, I mean, what advice would you have for those who are listening and maybe you know wanting or thinking about how do they have conversations? Uh, about diversity at, at senior leadership levels in their own organisations, but they don't know where to begin. You know, they know they want to do something, but how do they do it well? Where do they start? Yeah, I, I think one of the things to do to make sure everybody's involved in this journey is really about education. And, and the code that I've developed is it, it, there's four key principles. Let me just share them with you very quickly. The first one is reporting. I believe that we've got a report on race. We've got to make sure that we are not ignoring by saying we don't know what's going on. Whether that's in your annual report, on your website or whatever. The second thing is about being accountable. So we've got to make sure that we've got actions in place that we can work on. And then the third one is about composition, and that's the data. Let's make sure we can get to the data and understand the difference between black and Asian, 
in terms of representation and even within Asian between Pakistani, Bangladeshi and Indian. Let's just get to the data. But the long-winded way of answering the question was the last one is e-education. I think we have to have an educational framework. And this doesn't mean just going on an unconscious bias training course and thinking you've solved it. That's just one small element of a whole education framework. It's about having clumsy agreements first about language so we can understand that we're going to have to learn some new language sometimes and then move ourselves on to courageous conversations in that journey of creating what I call a psychologically safe working environment so that everybody can thrive. And if we're talking about business and inclusion, this is really about how do we attract talent, the best talent, to tackle the global challenges that we see with climate change, with disruption, with innovation, how can we tackle and get the best people represented so that we've got the diverse boardroom, diverse leadership teams and diverse workforces? So um, that's the journey we're on. And it's that journey of education that this isn't about diversity and taking people out, but it's about inclusion and bringing people in. As a positive, isn't it? Exactly. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of all about addition, really. And I mean, I don't want to get too artificial around the time frame, but, you know, in your experience or in your hopes, I mean, how, how, how quickly do you think uh, taking this approach can, can result in real change? Do you sort of, sort of see it in, you know, so if we can really get behind it, this can turn in, 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 in months, in, in you no know, short number of years, or is it, is it, does it take longer? Yeah, I, if we look at the gender diversity in the boardroom, and we saw what Davis did in 2011, and 10 years later, we're starting to see a change from that 11% up to about 30%. Um, so I would expect that we have to look at a long-term view on this. But I want to see change in three-year cycles. When we ask people to adopt the code, we're suggesting that we're going to check in in 18 months, and then we're going to come back with a robust um, framework after three years. So I, I'd suggest the cycles are, let's look to the longer term to make sure we're in the right direction, but tracking along the way in about 18 months and three-year cycles, and that's a realistic measurement cycle. Yeah, and it's helpful, isn't it, to have some of those sort of uh, waypoints along the way so that, you no, know, that action gets done and it kind of, uh, it, it forces things along and makes sure that it, you know, doesn't sort of slip, which, you know, in, in certainly, you know, we know can happen when people are, are trying to do so many different things all at, at one time. I mean, just going to, just to touch on a couple of the, the, the principles, Carl, in a little bit more detail. I mean, the first one around, reporting and transparent reporting um and you know i suppose you see this around equal pay and and other um sort of metrics which are are, are reported on or, or needed to be um i mean what would you say to to business leaders um who are, who are maybe nervous about reporting their data publicly you know for example on their website because that you know it, it it maybe shows them in a bad light or they feel like um it's nowhere near what it should be and so people then don't want to do it. and you say i think with with you know some of the um the gender equality reporting you know it's it's capped on 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 employment size and you kind of you see issues around say pay at the bbc is always one isn't it which attracts a lot of issues but, but people maybe then become nervous about putting it out in public for fear of um 
what it shows. Yeah, what, how do you address that? What do you say to them? Yeah, I, I think it's a really important question for businesses to consider. And I was talking to a client very recently about how they demonstrate their, what I call integrity, um, because if you don't publish the information, they're trying to attract people into the organisation and you can have a look on the website, you can have a look at what they're doing and you get a bit of an idea anyway. But if you were to first say, look, this is our data, it's not as good as we want it to be, this is what we're looking to do about it, this is what's important, and this is the journey that we're on, I think that gives you a certain amount of integrity so people who want to come to your organisation understand your values, understand your culture, and a little bit like, instead of burying your head in the sand and hoping it go away, I call it in my analogies of my animals, the um, elephant in the room. So everybody knows that there's a problem. Everyone hopes, let's not say anything about it, and it might go away if no one talks about it. Actually, we know it's there. We know it's a problem. You not reporting it isn't the challenge. Um, but if you do report it, you may get some credibility, integrity, and people say, actually, that's the type of organisation that I want to be involved in. That's that's brilliantly sort of framed, and and as you say, that that that's part of the push, isn't it? And even if it can maybe feel uncomfortable, actually use it as a as a positive. And I think the, the your point about integrity is uh, really well made, and something that that every business should should be sort of factoring because you know integrity makes up your your character and your reputation. And as we know, they're they're priceless, aren't they? In 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 business and in in life. And Carl, just sort of um, in terms of of another. Uh, one of the principles. Now, you talked about um, about education, and the, the the race code certainly places a lot of emphasis, understandably, rightly, on on education. How can that look like within an organisation? What would you advise in terms of right? You know, you, you you're going on this journey. This is what you need to do. How do they? Go, how do, how would a business go about educating um, its workforce? Yeah, um, I, I think that's an, an important step, and something that we have to understand isn't about traditionally, let's put a couple of courses on. I think that's the first thing, is to get to understand that this has got to be an integrated approach to equality, diversity and inclusion. So it's not education in the sense of let's train people. It's education in the sense of let's create the right environment for everybody to be able to educate themselves and learn what's best practice and learn how to behave and look at the culture of the organisation to make sure we can move that dial. Remember at Drucker that was said something like, culture eats strategy for breakfast every single time? And I think the education framework is trying to make sure we get to that place where we've got organisations who understand that we can speak about race, we can speak about these issues quite easily, we, we understand what the right language is and we're comfortable with it, and then we bolt that on with, Let's think about where the demographics tell us there's a challenge, where the research tells us there's a problem, and let's now pull, build that into our overall um, education framework rather than this being a standalone, let's do a bit of unconscious bias training or racism, anti-racism. It, it doesn't fit in. And the last thing I'll say is, um, anecdotally, client of mine, EDI officer, Quality, Diversity and Inclusion Officer, when on a training course with his colleague all about race, the first problem that they had after she'd done this half-day course was, oh, we'll send you out now to go and deal with 
this issue around race. She'd had half a day's training. Um, all of a sudden, she's the expert on race equality. Um, so it's just to get that understanding. Yeah, it's got to go deeper, hasn't it? And I know that's the whole point of the code. It's not a um, maybe well-intentioned, but just a, you know, a course and boom, it's done, thanks. This actually is all about really... Um, driving, you know, true change, which, as we sort of said, feels like the tipping points there. Let's make sure we we put our shoulder to the wheel and and get behind it and make sure that it really does happen. I mean, I know here at the the Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce, you know, we're incredibly proud to have have signed up to the Race Equality Code to be one of one of your early adopters, Carl, and just sort of on the the very sort of first steps of that journey was certainly, uh, you know, advocates and promoting and encouraging others who are listening today and in general to to find out more and to see how they can also uh, utilise um, the, the new code. And just, you know, um, give us a sense of, you know, those who are listening, where can they go to find out more and how can they reach out, out to you if they want to, to get involved or, or just, you know, sort of uh, maybe pique their interest today and they want to get a bit more information? Excellent. And, and I think you, you underplay the amount of influence that's deciding to become an early adopter, Paul, the Chamber, because you have an incredible amount of influence across the region and nationally. And to say that you're going to adopt and look towards looking at your practices actually helps the integrity there as well at the Chamber. And I think that's fantastic. And we've got a website, www.theracecode.org. And the best place to start, really, is to have a look at that website, download the code, and there has two options, one for self-supported adoption, another one with you can do it yourself, and we try and give you some resources to do that. Um, so I think that would be the best place to start. Um, and also keep in touch with us here at the Chamber, because we're going to have a number of courses, seminars, and initiatives over the course of the next three or four months because we're in consultation period now, since October last year, aiming to complete it by June of this year, and then we'll have a big event to demonstrate all the early adopters, what we've learned, and updating of the code. No, exactly. So, you know, there's loads of ways you can find out more information, and, uh, you know, certainly the, the the good folk here at the Chamber are more than happy to, to help and uh, to be a part of that that conversation with any anyone who wants to learn more um carl thank you so much for for joining us it's a great um introduction to the race equality code there and uh, looking forward to working with you on it as we go forward thank you carl thank you very much and hopefully somebody is tingly about corporate governance and the race code <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Chamber Podcast. To find more Chamber Podcasts, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Audio Boom, or the news section of www.greaterbirminghamchambers.com. Chamber.